talking about all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Technology, parents. <laughs> I do have a funny rotary phone story. What's that? This was maybe about like 15 years ago or something. Mm -hmm. My brother and I were at home at the same time. It was like over Christmas or something. Mm -hmm. And we were like helping my mom clean out one of the main closets mm -hmm. in our house because my parents never throw anything away. Yep. Um, <laughs> and my cousin was there. And I think at the time he must have been like 11 or 12. Mm -hmm. And we found one of our old rotary phones, the white one that was in my parents' bedroom. Oh, oh. We pulled it out, and my brother's like, oh my god, I can't believe you stole this phone. <laughs> and, you know, it's a rotary phone, and Rajiv, my cousin, like, starts sticking his fingers in the hole, but, like, pushing <laughs> trying it. Trying to push the Like, trying to push the number, <laughs> and he's like, how does this work? And that was one of the first times in my life that I was like, oh, this is what being yeah. old feels yeah, like. Yeah. And now it's just an everyday occurrence. Yeah. I heard a girl in the elevator at work class like a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. say, I have no idea what the conversation was leading up to this because I just walked into the elevator, but I heard her say to another coworker in the elevator, I haven't used Facebook since eighth grade. And I was like, oh my God. Like they can never fire me. They'll never find another job again. I know. I'm like, I'm unemployable. <laughs> Ageism is real. My version of that is I made a, a vanilla ice joke in front of my nieces and they mm. had no idea who I was talking about. They're like, about. who's that? I know. And I'm like, you should learn who he is just so you can make fun of him. Once yeah, you're there. like, yes. it's really important that you find out who this man is because he is fodder for endless jokes. <laughs> you're, you're like, Trust me, it's going to be worth it. You're not going to walk away disappointed. Ice Ice Baby came out of the gym last week when I was there and um course I was there. I don't know why I added in that second. Like I somehow knew it came on. I said maybe it came on in the gym. I wasn't there. You called it in. But... You called it in the radio station. <laughs> anyways, it was playing and I knew this because I was there. And like that fucking remember that whole controversy around that like jingle about how they were like you're ripping off Queen and he's yes. like no yep. I'm not. It's because it's lacking that that second jing or whatever. Yeah yeah yeah. That, yeah. That, and I'm like, this is totally under pressure. Like, oh, I it's know, absolutely yeah, under pressure. Yeah, like, I, why can't you just say, yeah, and I, it's under pressure. But I remember there was, the, there was a behind the music with him, and I, and I, this is like frozen, this is like seared into my brain. Just, when it's when iced, you, it's, you might say. <laughs> it's been, a, it's, it's been, been iced. vanilla iced. It's been vanilla iced into my brain. <laughs> and that's, uh, but he, like, he described it, he's like, we just, he goes, we just added that itty bitty change. And I remember, I just remember that, he goes, itty bitty change. And I'm like. You couldn't say, it's just that tiny change. You had to say, itty it's bitty. that itty bitty change. And you're I was like, you're a grown ass man. Why are you using the words itty bitty? Do you know who psyched that Vanilla Ice likes. got made fun of was Snow? Because I bet you Snow probably had, was about to have it worse than Vanilla Ice was. Vanilla. Snow. He's saying that, that uh, was he the informer guy? Yeah, informer. Yeah. That's how everyone says yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's like, skip, scap, scrap, 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 Please let the record show, too, that I also uh, uh, made a pipe. Uh, yeah, I was like, like what are you Because Popeye. Because of Popeye. His album was called 12 Inches of. What 12, 12, 12 Inches of Snow. Wait, which... was it just called 12 Inches of? But I think the album's probably like if you look it up at a record store. If you're trying to find the cassette, the cassette the single of former Twelve Inches of Snow, was, I'm assuming like the album would be called Twelve Inches of Snow by artist Snow. And <laughs> <laughs> like a robot. Twelve inches. It sounds like Alexa. Twelve, 12 inches of snow uh, performed by Snow. Did that answer your question? Also, I only ever exclusively thought that was a dick joke. Oh, and then, yeah, like, many, big... many years later, I'm like, well, wait a minute, like, 12 inches, that's how big a record is, too. It's like when you put a record out. Oh. So it's two jokes. Oh. I mean, I my just mind... thought I thought it was a dick joke, because he seemed like the kind of person yeah. that would make dick jokes. Yeah, because he's like, yeah, my dick's so big, it, it rivals Snowfall. It's 12 inches, two rivals. <laughs> <laughs> you ready for this blizzard? <laughs> <laughs> 12 inches of snow, a dick joke, and a record joke as well. Wow, God. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi, let's start. <laughs> Welcome to Stab Gab. We're your hosts, Donna. And Andrew. Our movie for this episode. This was actually the inspiration behind uh, me wanting to start a podcast. This is the film. This is the one that this started off. This is the film. Off this is oh. the film. Well, now because really this glad is I one of it. my favorite horror films. And also, the star of this movie, 
Rainbow, mm. Rainbow Harvest. Rainbow Harvest. Um, has like totally dropped off the face of the earth. You can't find her anywhere. She somehow managed to avoid having any sort of internet footprint. So I was just like, oh my God, what if we make a podcast and maybe one day we find her because of the podcast. So Rainbow, if that you're out there, cool. if Rain- you're out there, uh, get in touch. So the, the movie for this episode mm. is 1990s Mirror, Mirror. Behind this glass lies a century of terror. An evil force awaiting her deadly command. The mirror is using Ghosts do not exist. I felt something. Like I or someone. Something was controlling it. What the hell is going on? The rumors are true. There is something haunting the Weatherworth house. Only it's not a ghost. And those powers can be for you, too, Nikki. Are you trying to say that you had something to do with this? Well, let's just say that you and me are innocent. (laughs) Mirror, mirror. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, mirror, mirror. Um, I don't have a comment. (laughs) (laughs) so mirror mirror is a classic revenge tale um just like a quick rundown of the movie rainbow harvest plays an outcast named megan uh she's this punk rock chick from la moves to a small town in the iowa or something uh, i think she's still in california but i think they just like left it's clearly california yeah and then um and moves to small town california and everybody's just kind of looks like they all shop at the same LL Bean. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a it's a very uh, billowy outfit. It's very, very yeah, I mean, very 1990. Everybody very... wears blue the whole time. I wonder why yeah. the color choice is made. But anyways, everybody looks like they're from the same LL Bean catalog. So of course, Megan proceeds to become the school outcast, being made fun she's of. Goth. She's yeah, goth. she's goth punk rock, yeah. Los Angeles chick. In the new home that they live in, she finds an evil mirror befriends the evil mirror the evil mirror starts taking out people and doing her bidding eventually things go a wire <laughs> let's dive in now i had you you had said this to me before we watched this movie it, it definitely felt like somebody took the winona Ryder car mm. winona Ryder character from beetlejuice oh totally and said let's sort of extrapolate from that and make more of a movie about that character. Yeah, she like looks exactly like Winona Ryder from Beetlejuice. Yeah, like, even has the same haircut. Yeah, like same hair, same haircut, same giant hats, same sort of gothy wardrobe and the and sort depressed of demeanor. Depressed demeanor, but is not. I this is not a comedy. Though. This is, this isn't a comedy like Beetlejuice, and it's not you know poking this fun at horror. This is serious. This is a very serious, serious horror. There's a genuine drama here too, because the whole the whole reason they've moved to this nondescript town in Iowa. I'm going to be <laughs> You're like, it's, I'm like, it's not Iowa. Because <laughs> they, they talk about her being from California, but they're like, oh, she moved from California. And then somebody says, so why did you move out here? And the only um, people who say, why did you move out yeah, here? Yeah, maybe are she's people not in, in California. Maybe yeah. she left California. But for the Iowa that looks just like Southern California. But she, uh, they're there because uh, she and her mother moved there because her father died through circumstances that are never quite It's never revealed why her father dies. Yeah. Her father had died four months previous to the... Events of the film. Events of the film, which seems awfully fast. Yeah, yeah. Especially when we all, or when we find out what the mother is doing later. Not conspiratorially, just, but we'll get to that. Yeah. yeah. So it just seems awfully fast that after four months, it's just like, let's just <laughs> do this huge life change. So life change is a suggestion made to the mother by her shrink. We find that out as the movie right. goes on. So we start off with the movie. The movie goes way back in time to what looks like maybe the 1930s, 40s. The movie starts off yeah. with, um, it has a very confusing beginning that is revealed as the movie goes on. It starts off with what seems to be two sisters. The one sister is unconscious. She's dragged into the bedroom where the evil mirror is residing. Uh, Her sister pulls her up onto the bed and stabs her through the heart with a knife. But she's very apologetic while she does it. Yes. So she kills her sister. The mirror is freaking out and she throws a black cloth over the mirror. Yeah. And then credits roll. Cut to present day. Present of day of 1990. 1990. Um, and we have Karen Black. 
who plays the mother, yes. Karen Black. She's yeah. a darling of Robert Altman in the 70s. She's excellent in a bunch of his movies. Yeah, she did And some somehow stuff. really, like, kind of ends up in, this, in like, the genre of horror. She's, like, in a, t- a lot of horror films. I looked her up after this, and you're right. It's pretty much kind of straight horror yeah, movies. Yeah, so after. she just, I mean, maybe she just really... I mean, if they were paying, you know. Love what you do. Yeah. <laughs> if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> love what you do, the money will follow. <laughs> So Karen Black and my girl Rainbow Harvest. Um, Rainbow they, Harvest, great name. They are, yeah. I know. I, I wonder, like, if maybe that's not her real name, and maybe that's why I can't find her anywhere. Based on the very brief internet search I did after I watched the film, uh, it is her real name. Okay. Based on hippie parents. <laughs> so they show up at the house. They're going through the house. You can tell that um, Megan, aka Rainbow Harvest, yeah, um, she's a goth punk chick. She's super depressed about the move. She's also really sad that her dad is dead. They're going through the house. She goes into where her what's to be her new room, and there is, is the mirror. The mirror from the opening 1950s yes. uh, credit sequence was not moved from the house. Well, the the woman that used to live there, which is one of the the sister that killed her sister, mm-hmm. she lived there. She lived out her life there, so that's how the house ends up in the market. She's passed oh, away. I was unclear on that. Yeah. And that's why they were moving out all that old furniture. Right. So the mirror gets taken to a consignment shop, which is actually owned by the character played by Yvonne DiCarlo, who is better known as Lillian Munster. Uh, I did not know that until we just started recording this <laughs> yeah. right now. And that's actually kind of blowing my mind. Yeah. And I wish I did it. She was pretty great. I mean, yeah. she had a very... She struck me as being kind of a mix between uh, Mrs. Garrett... Uh, from the facts Girl. of life. <laughs> Blair. And, and, uh, and a little bit of the um, lady from Poltergeist who... Oh, uh, Zelda. Zelda, yeah. Rubenstein. Yeah. So she had like a very... It was a vibe of those two characters. Yeah. So that's what you... Don't picture Lillian Munster. It's uh, true. Zelda She's not, not at all the Lillian Munster uh, character in this movie. <laughs> so uh, everything's supposed to go to her shop. We clearly see the mirror getting moved out of the building and sent to her consignment shop, only for the mirror to reappear later back in the house as if it was never moved. Well, Rainbow Harvest wants the mirror she back. Does want, she does want the mirror. She has plans to go down to the shop and buy it. We see the mirror getting moved out. But, and I want to make a side note here, yeah. by the bumbling movers. <laughs> Isn't it every movie that features movers, the movers are always incompetent. Yeah. I feel bad for movers. They get a bad rap they do. in movies. I, I it's just like stupid movers, don't know what they're doing. Last time I moved uh, an apartment, the mover guys came in, they picked up all this stuff in like 28 seconds, put it on a truck, and moved it uh, to the current apartment I live in. And it was really impressive. And I think, because of all the movies I've watched in my life, I just assumed they were going to be incompetent it was going to take six hours. But they were great. So I feel bad that movies have prejudiced me against It's really movers. a shame. It's really a shame. There, are, there ought to be a law. <laughs> there, there ought to be. I'm going to call the Better Business Bureau. And- so Mira returns to the house and Megan starts school. Yeah. Megan shows up at school, first day of school, and immediately becomes target for the mean girls at school. They do not like that she's a goth girl. They do not all. like that she has a sense of style and yeah. isn't a fucking sheep. I think she looks great. I really, I thought so too. There's like, a scene later on in the movie where like all of the mean girls in her class dress up like her yeah. for one day because they think it'd be really funny. Yeah. And I was like, wow, finally everyone in this movie got some style. <laughs> but I'm no, like, everyone looks great. You guys yeah. should think about dressing like that all the time. I still And I still think Megan looked cooler. Yeah. I think, yes, yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, why would she want to look like you guys? You guys are boring, basic bitches. <laughs> it's like you said, they all and they all wear blue too. Yeah, everyone's wearing blue. I wonder why that was the truth. Like, there's obviously some meaning behind that because literally everyone is dressed in blue. But from my racer, <laughs> um, I wasn't able to find any any movie notes or just decisions around why everybody was uh, dressed in blue. Actually, I just, it just occurred to me at a certain point there's what I've termed as mirror vision, which is when you can sort of... Because the mirror, which is alive, or seems there's to be alive... There's a demon hiding the in, the mirror. in the mirror. Sometimes you see the world from the mirror's point of view, mm-hmm. and it's all a blue filter. Yeah. So maybe that's a way of telling us that none of the kids that we're meeting at the high school are long for this world mm. because um, they're wearing blue. Oh, we just got real deep with mirror, mirror. That was either the, the intent or I'm just pulling this out of my ass. But, <laughs> yeah, but. It's just the rosé talking. <laughs> it's just the rosé, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so Megan goes to school, everybody starts making fun of her, but there is one girl at school who is kind-hearted, or, or I would rather just say sane, and she feels sorry for Megan and befriends her. And What's her name? Her character's name is Nikki. Nikki. And in real life, you might recognize her from Aerosmith's Jamie's Got a Gun video. Are you kidding me? Yeah, she plays Jamie. God damn it, I didn't know that. That's I'm like stuffed with <laughs> factoids for this movie. I don't even to need... the gills, hey, Andrew. To I, the gills. You're like our, you're like our own personal uh, IMDb slash Wikipedia right now. Just for this movie. I know. I know. Just I, for this movie. You know, I. I uh, own this movie on VHS tape. I've been obsessed with this movie <laughs> since the time of VHS tapes. That's incredible. Do you still own the VHS? I. Tape? You know what? I got rid of a bunch of VHS tapes, obviously over the years, yeah, as like the as technology faded, yeah. and I don't even own a VCR player anymore. <laughs> but I still have this VHS tape because I have such an emotional attachment that's, to it. I couldn't get rid of it. That's true love right there. That's I only have love. three videotapes still. I have that. Mm-hmm. I have Pretty in Pink, again, for the same reason of right. emotional attachment. Right. And uh, Depeche Mode's 101. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Those are the three videotapes that I still own. I was just talking about 101 and somebody the other night. I wonder what all those people are up to. There is a special feature on the D. DVD oh yeah, there is. Yeah, I remember that. But I like I want to know what they're doing now, because the, oh. that DVD came out like in right. two thousand five or something. Yeah, I know we're a horror podcast, but I wouldn't be opposed to having the cast of Depeche Mode's One Hundred and One on the podcast. Just to talk about what they're Only up to now. Only if they've been in horror movies, Andrew. <laughs> well, it's a pretty gothy vibe the best mode has. That's true. I feel it's of a piece of the horror movies we watch. <laughs> That's a stretch. <laughs> Anyways, back to our film. <laughs> so yeah, uh, you will recognize Nikki Chandler from Aerosmith's Janie's Got a Gun video. Blown my mind. So they become friends. She's uh, running for student council president. Nikki seems to be pretty involved in school, yet right. has the time to have a kind heart to be friends with our outcasts. She's name. nice. She's the kind of person you'd want to have be student body president. Why is everyone in the 80s so mean? It was a materialistic time, so maybe just everybody was a little more about, like, I, I want mine, and I, I want to get mine. Yeah, and, I just and remember the 80s were really mean. I On mean, TV and in real life. The, <laughs> 80s, the 80s hurt my feelings. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> that would explain why you took solace in these 80s uh, horror movies, because they punish people. They really do punish people. Every movie we watch I was really just like, I people. want an evil mirror. <laughs> <laughs> I, now I'm thinking about it, you would be, you would be Megan in this movie. I, I kind of, I kind of would be Megan. Had you, had you had access to an evil mirror? Had I had access to an evil mirror, I wouldn't have been Megan. <laughs> and I would have had rat-ass clothing from downtown L.A. I should point out that Megan doesn't necessarily start out as a villain in this movie. She's actually no. she's kind of at the mercy of this terrible mirror. Yeah, the mirror then, kind of like gets her drunk with power. Yeah. Um, we continue on with Megan in school. She's being picked on. The mirror is starting to communicate with her a little bit more. And weird things start happening at the house. One of her dogs is found dead after we hear it run into the room and start to pee on the mirror. It's not clear how the dog died, but the dog is dead. The dog is placed on the top of a butcher block. You think it was electricity? Uh... Who the hell knows? But this dog, like the mom is mooring the dog. She puts, brings the dog into the kitchen and puts it on a butcher block. Yeah. And shit. So it's like, Megan, come to the kitchen. And it's like, what the fuck is this dog? Even Megan is like, why is the dog? Like, even in the movie, she's it's, like, this gross. Get off the butcher it's block. It's really weird. It's like, I mean, generally you want to keep your butcher block uh, sanitary. Uh, yeah. You're cutting food on there, my friend. I don't know if you need to, like, put the dog in a place. If the dog it's died like in its... Reveal. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, I move the dog. I wish they put, like, curtains around it and be like, ladies and gentlemen, I present <laughs> to you, dead dog. This dead dog. And then a spotlight shines <laughs> down, and you're like... And yet again, <laughs> the theme from The Tonight Show starts Ladies and gentlemen, dead dog. And then the dead dog does ten minutes of comedy. Yeah. And if Johnny likes the dead dog, he calls it over to the to the desk. And that's how you know the dead dog did well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes. Ed, Ed, move over. <laughs> but yeah, they really... Now, let me ask you this. That looked like a real dog to me. And that looked like a real dead dog to me. Yeah. Like, 
this movie, folks, is a low-budget affair. It is They did not clearly have a ton of money for, like, I would say, makeup. Um, Maybe they borrowed a dead dog prop from some another movie? I think it was a real dead dog. There's no way that was a real dead dog. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, It did look really realistic. I mean, though. you know, normally you'd call in Rick Baker and you'd be like, we're going to need a dead dog, and, and he'd, he'd work it up for you. But um, this was... It or was maybe they got the dog to, like, play dead and then put blood around it. I mean, this is no, a this, professional. It didn't move. I was really looking. And, and the, dog, <laughs> <laughs> the dog did not move. It wasn't, like, just had its eyes closed and you can kind of see, like, one paw going or something yeah. like that. It was very realistic. Like, I don't think they killed a dog for this movie. I think they called, I think they called a, a kennel. Like, don't, like one of Rainbow! Yeah. Call us! <laughs> Ray, Ray, Let Ray, us know! Rainbow, we need to know. What, what, was what, it a real dog? Was it a real dog? Yeah, um, I mean, not to get too grim about it, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna come down on the side of real dead dog, but you feel that's not the case, so... No, I mean... I want to believe you. It was, this movie came out in 1990. There are laws in place! <laughs> the dog's not dead! Alright, the dog was, for, for purposes of us getting through this, the dog was alive, but playing dead. <laughs> So yeah, the dog is dead, and then uh, like other weird things start happening. Like her mother decides that it's time for her to start dating because it's been a whole four yes. months since yeah, her I, husband died. The mother is what's a good way to phrase this? Hot to trot? Is that yeah, she's ready she's, to get herself back out there. Yeah, her shrink told her it would be good. So the first gentleman caller who arrives at the house. Mm-hmm. Am I am I getting us off the plot? Wait, well, we? I wanted. This is a. I had a question for you about sure, this. This is sure. a question I wanted to ask you earlier. Yeah. So the yeah. re, the way that she meets him is she calls some dude from a pet cemetery to come over and take care of right. the dead dog. So pet cemetery dude shows up to take care of the dog. May and I jump? She ends up inviting him over for dinner. Over to dinner. He looks so familiar, and I can't place where he's from. He and let me was tell in a you, commercial, right? No, this what? is who he is. So he is the great. William Sanderson. Yes. Now this this was quite uh, fortuitous because I am in the middle right now of a rewatch of the HBO series Deadwood. Okay. And uh, William Sanderson is on Deadwood uh, playing oh, oh. E.B. Farnham. Okay, uh, great. So sort he's of, still in the. He's still out there. He's getting it done. I remember he, him from like a like a regular commercial. This is what you remember him from, maybe uh, is uh, Newhart. Yes. Yes. You remember? That's like, it. Yeah. Uh, I don't I'm, know. I thought he was like a, on a Jimmy Dean sausage commercial. No, he is Larry from Larry. Yes. Daryl. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You come yes. in and say, I'm Larry, and this is my brother Daryl. It's my other brother Daryl. Yeah. And uh, he's amazing. Uh, I was literally watching it in an episode of Deadwood, turned it off, and put Mirror Mirror on. And then when I saw William Sanderson come in, I was like, holy shit. So. Uh, You're like, William Sanderson, stop following me. I know. He's like, I know. He's, he's, he's Stop following me, Will. I'm a Sander fan, so I'm I really. A, yeah, I'm <laughs> a Sandhead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Sam fan, so yeah, I, Sam I, fan. I know yeah. my wings. Okay, so she, and then one of the other, like, this is taking forever for me to, like, list off. <laughs> sorry, sorry. List off all the, like, the weird things that start happening before she realizes, like, she has a demon in her mirror that will yeah, kill her. Yeah, there's a haunted mirror. So we got the dead dog. Her mom has uh, William Sanderson over for dinner, mm-hmm. and he gets attacked by flies. And I felt that whole scene where he's kind of Lost Boys-esque. Yeah. Yes. When he sees, like, remember when he sees the, what, Michael, why are you eating maggots? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think he's eating, like, a piece of chicken, chicken and it looks like maggots, maggots in it. In it. And I felt that was very, um, that was very poltergeist, because there's a, there's chicken with maggots and mm-hmm. poltergeist, and, and this film is showing its influences. But, yeah, he was a representative of her. Yeah. So he's come to, not only to remove Pep, but console, because that's what Undertakers do. He did, he did, yeah. Yeah, and, gotta uh, have a little bedside manner. I give this Sanderson this, he is as creepy as a person who works at, at, a, at a... I mean, he's a good fit for the for He's, a good, like he's a good fit yeah. for, the, for the role. Yeah, and, that uh, or selling Jimmy Dean sausage. <laughs> <laughs> he could sell sausage as well as he could bury a pet. Yeah, but what can't you do? <laughs> so she starts to put two and two together and realize that there is... Something in the mirror that is taking care of business for her. She is, uh, you know, a revenge demon, if you were. Yes, like uh, if you the will. whole, <laughs> the whole William Sanderson not having a good dinner date with her mom. She doesn't want her mom dating so soon. After yes, her and then some things start happening at the high school to the mean girls. Uh, like yeah. one of the mean girls is given a, like a massive nosebleed at over yeah. lunchtime period. Right. Um, so she starts to realize that the mirror is behind all of this and so she gives herself over to the mirror. Yeah. She pretty much fucks her mirror. She cut, She does. She humps that mirror. I yeah. mean, I was not 
expecting that, by the way. We got some demon hands coming through the mirror and touching her butt. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the demon hands touches her butt, and then she's like French kissing the mirrors. Yeah, as blood, the blood runs down off of the mirror. So at this point, she realizes there's a demon in the mirror. She's totally cool with it. Yeah. And she gives herself over to him and the, allows the demon to start of up its game on hurting those who have hurt her. This is when I went from a passive viewer of the film into sort of being into it. Not because I wanted to watch a mirror deal up this lady, but like because I just thought... You're like, I'm here for the mirror I'm like, I'm, I'm just here for the mirror. Oh my god, I'm here for the mirror fucking. I'm here for mirror on lady action. And, uh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I told you that's a good one. <laughs> no, but it was like, because at first, she, as she's so presented as this goth kid who's being bullied at school and, and clearly drawn like, from... Claim your power, Megan! That's the thing, claim I just kind of thought, power. I was like, she's just at the mercy of whatever the hell this mirror's doing. And then I realized, no, she's making like a commitment to this mirror. Yeah, it's like a, a marriage. Yeah, she like marries the mirror, and then she's like, "Mirror, do revenge for me." Yes, and, do uh, the revenge. And then that's when like shit gets pretty interesting in this yeah. movie. I felt it was a real turning point. Yeah. So she now is completely under the control of the mirror. She thinks she controls the mirror, but little does she know the mirror controls yeah. her. So we see her show up at a high school dance. She has taken off some layers of makeup and mm-hmm. shed some of the leather elements of her clothing. She's starting to prepify a little bit. Yeah, so she is in the eyes of her classmates, kind of transformed. Yeah. And everyone's like, who's that girl? And she ends up dancing with a football player that she has a crush on, but is also one of the mean girls, the mean girls' yes. boyfriends. It's and then this is where we first see her. I, f- I feel we should discuss the, this particular mean girl because she plays a pretty heavy Oh, she role is in mean girl numero uno. Her name is Charlene. Yeah. And she has daggers for Megan. For whatever reason it is. Well, she's running... uh, She is uh, Nikki, who is the best friend of Megan, the sort of nice, normal person who's looking after her. Um, uh, She's the nemesis, because they're they're both running for student body president. And uh, Charlene sort of has a leg up, because... She's got big boobs. She's got big old boobies. Because that's in the 80s. That's how you you win student council president, is with your tatas. And literally, like, all of her posters around the school are basically her kind of thrusting her chest forward mm-hmm. and, and even her even her little uh, infomercial yeah she has a little infomercial that plays um, for her campaign and it's all it's all double entendres it's all like she will really knockers the competition In, yeah and, she will invigorate the student body yeah there's something about like she will lend a helping hand yeah. to anyone hand jobs yeah. for everyone in the football team if I'm student council president yeah yeah so, so basically hand jobs yeah. <laughs> I'm running on a hand job platform <laughs> <laughs> you know, most politicians are like, jobs, jobs, jobs. She's like, like hand, hand jobs, jobs, hand, hand jobs. jobs, hand jobs. Jobs, hand, jobs, hand, jobs, hand. Episode title, hand jobs, hand jobs, hand jobs, hand jobs. So, um, yeah, so she's presented as a sort of, uh, you know, buxom choice for a... <laughs> wow, you're, so, you're even... Even Andrew Morton is in on that. Even I am doing the double entendres here for... Uh, anyway, yeah, so she's got real big boobs, and uh, that gives her That's, an edge. Yeah, and, and she wins. And she, she does win. She wins, and at this point... Uh, so back to revenge. Yes, so Megan gets a dance with her crush, but her crush ends up leaving and going with Charlene to go make out with her. She's pissed. She uses the mirror to lure him back to her house. Yeah, she, she basically uses the mirror to seduce. And then he's there, they're making out, he gets very confused, he doesn't know why he's there, because he didn't make the actual conscious decision to go right, over. Right, And she gets mad that he wants to leave, she has the mirror, kill him. Yeah, the mirror. And the Charlene mi- wins the presidency, Megan has the mirror, uh, and it's not really clear if it kills her or not, but she's at least severely maimed in a shower scene. Oh episode. yeah, yeah, because af- after they kill off the boyfriend, they cut back, and, and now um, Charlene is, uh, you know, she's a little distraught over the boyfriend. Uh, having been or disappearing, right? Yeah, he ba- he better basically tell Charlene to get the fuck out of his car so he can go over to Megan's house and make out with her. Yeah, yeah, because the mirror has called him. Right. So when Charlene wins uh, the presidency, and then after a scene of everybody water polo, water polo. Thank you, water polo. Because it's an 80s teen movie, so we need to get all the girls in wet t-shirts in a pool. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after that, Charlene goes in, uh, completely strips down, and uh, the heat pipes attack her. All burst. All burst. And she's scalded. And she's scalded. And and you're right. You're right. It's not quite clear if it kills her or not. So at this point, Megan 
reveals to Nikki that she has this crazy mirror power. She kind of made mention of it beforehand, but Nikki thought she was just like being a cookie crazy goth girl. But now it's revealed that she like full on is like controlling some stuff here. Yeah. She tells Nikki that like as long as she sticks by her and she's friends with her, she'll she'll help Nikki out. Yeah. But if Nikki doesn't, she's gonna hurt Nikki. Yeah, and she's she like, I'm the only friend you need. Yeah, and she gives Nikki some severe uh, menstrual cramps, it looks like, <laughs> to prove her point. She does. <laughs> um one of Charlene's little minions is hiding out in the bathroom stall, eavesdropping on all of this. Nikki leaves the bathroom. Megan's just like, oh, Kim, I know you're in here. And then kills Kim. Yeah, she really just like brutally murders her. Yeah. It looks like she ch- cuts out her tongue with a piece <laughs> of mirror. Or does the mirror do it? I don't know. We only see the dead body. This movie's, movie's full of so much horror that like it can leave a few things inferred. Mm-hmm. They're like, Prob- probably cut out her tongue. That's how she died. But, you know, whatever. We got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> So, Nikki realizes that there's a huge shitstorm of Berlin, and she needs backup. She goes and finds Lillian Munster to tell her what's going on. Edna Garrett, I prefer. Yeah. She needs some backup. Yeah. And she and she goes over to the house to try yeah, to like point she tries to steal the, the mirror. Right? Yeah, she tries to steal the mirror back, and the mirror uh, actually stabs her hands. Yeah, the mirror stigmatizes her, right? Yeah, cuts her right through the palms of her hands. Yep. and she leaves. But then later on, she has no bandages on. Well, it was a brief goof. It was movie a goof. <laughs> <laughs> movie goof. It was a brief stigmatizing. It was not a full mm, on. I yeah. think you're if you're pierced straight through your hands. I'm I'm no doctor, I, but I'm gonna say you need some bandages, at uh, least a band aid. Okay. So Nikki goes to uh, William Munster, tries to get some help. William Munster is just like, yeah, I'm gonna call the priest. I'll meet you at the house. That After was... Nikki leaves. The all-knowing mirror right. knows what's happening and kills Lily Munster. I'm going to admit I was a little sad at this point in the movie because this movie borrows a few things from other horror movies, that, yeah. as, as we've mentioned. And so when Lillian Munster calls, and she's like, I'm going to call a priest. And she's like, get me Father McGillicuddy, or whatever his name was. <laughs> and... <laughs> And I was like, oh, cool, they're going to, like, rip They're all Irish. Yeah, they're, yeah. Well, and yeah. also, um, they're like, Father McGillicuddy's uh, asleep right now, a.k.a. drunk. It's like, <laughs> yes. what other, like, Irish priest He was eating a potato and fell asleep. He in the fell asleep, face down in a potato. Yeah, and uh, I, by the way, uh, just in case anyone gets, I'm Irish, so it's okay that we're making these jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, no, but I was. And I did a 23 Me, and I am a small percentage Irish, so it's okay if I make these jokes, too. <laughs> it's 3%. Okay, that you're making these jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 3% in for this joke. I'm about 98% Irish. Yeah, so I, you're, think I yeah, like, would say you're just 100%. Yeah, I'm giving you, I'm giving you Irish sanctuary. You're okay. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to make these jokes. <laughs> I'm, I'm Irish. <laughs> I'm Irish because I know someone. I can make Irish jokes. I have an Irish friend. You're like, I saw the commitments once, so I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allowed to make <laughs> I was about to make a I walked 500 miles joke or they're a thousand, Scottish. Or, and then I realized they're Scottish. But whatever. <laughs> Tomato, right? I wanted to say, you're like, I owned uh, both volume one and two of the Commitment soundtrack, therefore... I'm like, I think Joshua Tree is a great <laughs> album, so therefore I feel that I can say things, anything I want about I've Tree. defended U2's pop record, so I think it's okay. Um, <laughs> um, but I was really excited because I thought they were, they were going to get a priest in, and I was like, I was like, nope. they're just going to start throwing crazy shit in there. I want a fucking Irish ass priest coming in to like do an exorcism. There's a killer clown in. from outer space yeah. that shows up. Yes. Um, but an Irish priest, I wanted an Irish priest to bust in and be like, Faith in Bagora, and like you know, Cheva. You know. <laughs> the power of Christ compels yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Like I wanted the power some genuine. Yeah. Christ compels you. <laughs> I wanted some full-on uh, exorcist rip-off action. Yeah, no. Again. Alas, Lillian Munster's killed. She does not get to deliver her plea to Father McGillicuddy. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and then we go back to to Nikki. Nikki right. is goes back to her house to get her boyfriend. Right. Because he's supposed to, he, they were going to be back at her house. He was going to come help her with right. the whole, because, you know, this mirror, you need backup for this mirror. You, this you, is some serious 
this mirror, shit. The mirror is three with. steps ahead of you at any one time. Yeah. Now we should we should lay out the scene. It's important to know that. Oh, um, boyfriend is actually he's at, he is at the house waiting for her. She yeah, is he, on her way post uh, meeting up with Lillian Munster right. to go get her boyfriend. Mirror again, all knowing, all seeing, mm-hmm. has already taken care of Lillian Munster. And while Nikki is en route back to her house, the mirror takes care right. of boyfriend. By the mirror does a projection of Nikki. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm going to say, this was pretty clever. The movie doesn't tip its hand that it's a fake Nikki. Mm-hmm. So we're watching essentially a five-minute-long sequence where we think Nikki's actually at the house with the boyfriend guy. And uh, and it's only when they start having the well, sex Well, Nikki is... Boyfriend goes upstairs because he thinks he hears Nikki. And we see what we believe to be Nikki drowning in a bathtub. So we think that the mirror has... The the viewer is fooled for a moment thinking right. that somehow, like, Nikki got back to the house or the mirror put her back in the house, whatever, the mirror's drowning her in a bathtub. Right. He saves, air quote, Nikki. <laughs> um, and to show her gratitude for being saved from drowning in the bathtub, she immediately starts to make out with him. Yeah. Which, that's also weird, because it's like, I almost died, let's have a make-out sesh. Yeah, you know, she, yeah, yeah, she, well... She starts really going to town on him, and then pushes him <laughs> into the bathtub and starts drowning him. And then yeah. we, we start to realize, I don't think this is Nikki. She's a little too aggressive. And She's killing her boyfriend. Yeah, and then, like, the, the water in the tub starts to get a little red, so clearly, like, some part of him... His in, face had been bitten off. Yeah, she chews his face off, basically. And then we see real Nikki come into the house. Yeah. Looking for her boyfriend. Yeah. She goes upstairs, she finds him in the bathtub dead... Then she sees ghosty, demonic, apparition Nikki sitting in the corner and laughing as she slowly disappears. Disappears, yeah. And then the phone rings, and it's Megan. Right. And Megan is very calm, tells her, come on over. She doesn't need anyone but her. And don't worry about meeting up with that nice old lady, because she's dead. So distraught, Nikki makes her way over to Megan's house. During this time, we see Megan have a little change of heart, because... Mirror kills her mom. Yeah. And this is one person that Megan did not want no. to have killed. They have a they have a rough relationship, but it's at still the end her of mom. the day. Yeah, it's still her still mom. Still her mom. Yeah. Her mom wants her to come downstairs for dinner. Nikki says no, she's busy because she's got, you know, other people to fry via mirror. <laughs> I got a lot on my plate, mom. I'm really busy. I got I got some biology homework and then I got a few other people at school I have to kill. I'm halfway through my revenge list. I really need to finish yeah. this by the I wanna you know, I wanna get this done before I go to bed. <laughs> and then I have a pop quiz to study for. <laughs> um, so, Megan's mom wants her to come downstairs to have dinner with her. Megan says no. Her mom goes downstairs to have dinner by herself. Megan has a little change of heart. Mm. She feels bad. She tries to go downstairs to have dinner with her mom. The door locks. Yeah. The mirror does not want her leaving. No. Um, Megan starts to realize... The mirror is going to kill her mom. She starts right. screaming, not her! Yeah, yeah. Now, let me ask you this, because at this point, I was wondering... I was mostly thinking that the mirror had fully possessed uh, Megan. But when Megan's like, not her, that starts to put in my head that, oh, wait, no, shit. Megan, she was kind of in on this. So, what is your read on that? Do you think do you think yeah, Megan I think was Megan fully thought, in on it? I think Megan thought she was totally in control. Okay. And kind of got a little drunk with power. Okay. And then at this moment realizes, oh shit, I'm not in control. This mirror has uh, gone off the rails. She's like, it was, all, it, was all, it was really fun when the mirror, when I was only making the mirror kill all of my classmates. Um, but now that it's going after my mom, yeah. then that's what you're okay. right. It's like, who's next? <laughs> So, so Megan, Megan is complicit. I mean... Yes. All right. So um, Karen Black dies by a hand stuck in garbage disposal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a little foreshadowing at the beginning of the movie when you see her put her cigarette out. You're right. By the garbage disposal and the camera lingers there just a little You're right. too long. Right. The lesson is, kids, don't smoke. Yeah, that's yeah. The, the big takeaway from <laughs> say no to drugs. <laughs> this is kind of this is Nancy Reagan era, you know. It's good enough for Arnold from Different Strokes. It's good enough for uh, uh, Megan from uh, Mirror Mirror. So Nikki shows up, and Megan is having a change of heart and realizing like this mirror's crazy. Let's get out of here. Right. Um, they're trying to get, escape the house. The mirror's going ballistic. There's shit flying everywhere in the house. <laughs> they try to leave. 
They can't. Everything's locked. And then uh, Megan finds her dead mom. Yeah. And she can't leave the house. She can't leave the house without her dead mom. And they're still trying to leave, and somehow they get separated, and Megan ends up back by the mirror again. Yeah. Uh, Nikki goes to save her. It's unclear what happens to Megan. All of a sudden, Megan's there, and all of a sudden, she's not. It's maybe she has been... Yeah, there's like a door. Like, like you you see everything from Nikki's point of view, uh, where she's kind of like holding on like a banner and she's looking into the room where the mirror is and the, yeah. and the door keeps slamming back oh, and opening back yep. up, back and it's forth. like, there's Megan, there's Megan, Yeah, Megan, Megan, and then Megan's gone. Yeah. It's very, at this point, we're very much in poltergeist territory. It's very oh, yeah. much a it's house like all the starting to, yeah, go all the nuts. Stu- all the things are blowing everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then all of a sudden everything stops. Nikki goes into the bedroom, turns the light on, Megan's dead. She's yeah. been stabbed through the heart by a shard of mirror. Comeuppance. So, ooh, Here's a little tidbit that was said earlier in the movie. Ooh. So, earlier in the movie, Lillian Munster said, mm-hmm. whatever you do, don't ask the mirror for anything. Oh, right. Yep. Mind blown. So, a distraught Nikki, standing in front of the mirror, seeing her dead friend, taking stock of everything that's happened. You know, her boyfriend's dead, Lillian right. Munster's dead, Karen Black is dead. The dog is dead. The dog is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she, uh, very distraught Nikki, yells into the mirror, I want everything to be the way it was before. Yeah. And throws her hands over her face. Yeah. Pulls her hands away, and all of a sudden, her and Megan are back in 1940, right. and they are the sisters. They are the sisters from the opening of the film, and there's this 1940s slash 50s song playing on the radio, um, that we hear again, and they And then reenact. we see, we see a vagina slit open up in the mirror, <laughs> and the demon head comes out, laughs, goes back in the mirror, Nikki yeah. throws a black cloth on the mirror, and scene. And we don't really know what happens. Does she have to live the entire life of that distraught sister? Yeah, that's one thing I've always thought about this film, for as much as I adore this film. I'm just like, are they the reincarnated versions of the sisters? Because that also doesn't make sense, because one of the sisters lives till a very old age and dies, and that's how they get the part, they get the house. Yeah. So they couldn't be reincarnated, reincarnations of the sisters, because one of the sisters lives to a very old age. I mean, she could have just been stuck in time. Like, her ultimate punishment was she defeated the evil, but, like, she has to basically live some 1940s, 50s lady's life. It's just, like, I want everything to be the way it was before. So then wouldn't that be, like, the way it was before is, like, you were the sister before? Yeah, I mean, like, she wouldn't have... I mean, none of those people should remember these sisters at all. Well, they should remember the sisters. The sister lived in the house. Yeah, but, I mean, she died but Nikki, like, Nikki doesn't remember. I mean, they all knew the house was haunted, but Nikki doesn't remember, like, specifically that it was two sisters. Did she? Yeah. Did, are they doing that? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. And she also gets the story from Lillian Munster. She's like, asks her about the house. Right. And she gets the rundown about, like, she knew Mary Wentworth. That's the name yeah. of the sister who lives to a ripe old age. Right. She knew Mary Wentworth lived in the house, but she didn't know the whole thing about, like, the sisters and blah, blah, blah. Oh, Okay. So, I mean, it could it could make sense that one of them is the reincarnated sister who's killed in the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. but the other sister lives to be an old age, so she would have been alive. Like, she died, like, a few months before the, movie's, the, the movie is set. I did go back to watch the opening scene to mm-hmm. see, because I wasn't actually clearly remembering if the two sisters presented in the opening scene were played by the actresses we meet later in the movie. No. But they're not. Yeah, but they were they were played by real sisters. They were played by real sisters. Yeah, yeah. so I did. I I am. I am. Yeah, me too. Yeah. One of them is named like Tracy Lee, and the other yeah. one is named something. Gold, something, right? Well, their last name is Gold. Yeah, and I got confused because this wasn't Tracy Gold on. Uh, yeah, but this is Tracy Lee. Tracy Lee Gold, probably. Like, this is not Tracy Gold, Gold from, from, from Growing Pains. Pains. I was called, I was and she has a sister. I always call it Family Pains. Family Pains. Oh, she does? <laughs> she has a sister. Her sister was rumored the show Benson. Oh, shit. Really? <laughs> yeah, oh. Tracy Gold's sister was in Benson. Holy shit. I don't know what her name is. Stacy. Stacy Gold. <laughs> Macy. <laughs> Macy Gold. Bracey. Yeah. <laughs> Tracy and uh, Bracey. Tracy and Bracey. Tracy and Bracey. We'll go through Facey all and Tracy. Zazy. Yeah. yeah. The talent family. The talent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it actually brings up very interesting um, metaphysical ideas, this film. Even after all these years, I still don't quite understand the end of this movie. Like, I want everything to be the way it was before, and... But uh, then all of a sudden, like, Nikki's in the 1940s. And it's like, well, if it was how it was before, 
I wonder if we think how it was before, before another family lived in this house. Right. I would just figure you jump back to your own. I mean, from Nikki's point of view. I mean, if we're going to do that, then why don't we go all the way back to, I want everything the way it was before. And like, we go back to like. Caveman times? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Or like before humans existed. All of a sudden, Nikki and Megan are like amoebas. Yeah. And they're Mirrors like, wouldn't even have existed. Yeah. This would have been like, oh, Kronk went I don't even know what the... I look like. I'm an amoeba without a mirror. I went down and looked at the water pit. Water pit had <laughs> reflection in it. Yeah. Water pit. Water pit has reflection. <laughs> I do want to see a caveman starring version of Mirror Mirror called Water Water. <laughs> water Water. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get right on that. So, are we ready for it? For, for the... three key takeaways. Donna, what's your uh, key takeaway number one from okay. my Mary. My key takeaway numero yeah. uno yeah. is uh, don't be mean to people because you don't know who has an evil mirror that they might make kill you. Yeah, I mean, it's not my inclination to make fun of goth people because, like, I don't know, I, I think they're kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was like a rush nerd in high school. Like, I wore like rush t shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neener, neener, neener. And that's not like, you know. And, like, there's nothing goth about that, but it's sort of, like, it's still the same level of, like, I'm going to actively decide to be an outcast. Were you a shop kid? No. Because I associate Rush with all the shop kids. Here's, here's, the, be- here's the beauty of Rush, which is Rush has all these different, like, crazy incarnations of themselves mm-hmm. so that, like, it actually afforded me a certain level of protection among social groups because the shop guys like me because I like Rush because mm-hmm. they like all the early Rush, but it's all, like, you know, heavy metal and shit. And then, like, just the wiener kids, like, but also give me some cover because they like the middle like keyboard they're like you want to come over for a campaign tonight yeah yeah they're all like kind of like, oh, i've been working on it. i've been writing a campaign and so like so it actually affords you wonderful protection because i guess every yeah. flavor of outcast enjoys rush cool kids don't like rush but my like rush. my high school locker for all four years i don't know if some schools like make you change lockers or not every year ours didn't i had the same the whole time. i had the same the whole yeah. time too okay so maybe everyone gets the same my locker was right by the shop class yeah so this is how how i know rush <laughs> i i only know rush because of having my locker next to the yeah. to shop for four years and going yeah. going there to switch out books throughout the day it was like nee, 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 yeah nee, nee, yeah nee, nee, nee. yeah yeah the shop guys they're gonna like rush up and to a certain point and then when it gets a little t- too keyboardy that's when they tap out like, if, you're, <laughs> if you're like a big old dork like me it was like I love keyboards and depression mode 101 is pretty good like you're gonna like that period so yeah, yeah. so yeah don't be mean to people because you don't know who has an evil mirror that they yeah. will make they'll make the mirror kill you uh, my first key takeaway is dog related um <laughs> And that would be don't put a dead dog on oh, a butcher block. It's so gross. Why? It, why? Why? Yeah, like I'm pretty sure if your dog passes away, you know, and you need to break the news to your family members, you can just sort of, if you haven't had time to call the pet cemetery, mm-hmm. you can just sort of say, listen, champ passed away. <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, you know, and he's inside and there he is. Like, I wouldn't be like... Should I put him on a butcher block? No. Should I put him on a plate? Also clean him up. With lettuce around the, the sides of it or anything. Yeah, like, are you going to turn him into a... Are we going to eat the dog tonight? Is that's, that why it's on the butcher well, block? Well, here's, here's the thing, because they put the dog on the butcher block, and that's where my mind went. I was like, what? are they going to... Because yeah. they're also making dinner, too. One dinner! Night. So I was like, are, are they going to She's cutting up dinner, dog? like, later on in the movie, on that same butcher block. And they are. And the and so the, also when the dog dies, and this is pretty horrible, there's, a, there's blood coming out of the yep. dog's mouth, and so... The blood stain remains on the butcher block. Yep. Now, if you're like carving a steak up, I mean, there'll probably also be some blood, you know. It but stains. Yeah. So blood stains. So all it did was it put really terrible, um, you know. And this is a movie where a lot of fucked up horror shit's happening. So all I was wondering is like thinking the entire time I was like, is someone gets so unsanitary eat that dog. Yeah. So, so unsanitary. So who's scarier, the mirror or the diseases you're the, gonna get from you're, cupping food on that butcher block after you move <laughs> that dog? Uh, the movie gets changed to bacteria, bacteria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so just if your dog passes away, there are many other ways to make that news apparent to the rest of the family rather than... You know, I mean, I, I realize Megan isn't five, but she's also still uh, technically a kid. Yeah. Let's not scar. <laughs> All right, key takeaway number two for you, Donna. Um, God, I just feel like 
it's <laughs> common sense. Don't stick your hand in garbage disposal. If, yeah. if you have to, oh, yeah. unplug it. Yeah. If you show me any shot of a garbage disposal in a film, I just immediately assume something's going to You're like, oh, someone's going to stick their yeah. hand in there. Yeah. Like, no one's ever like, let's check in on that garbage disposal to watch it work perfectly. Um, I didn't have a garbage disposal in my current apartment. I've actually not had a garbage disposal disposal anywhere I've lived, but mm. we have one at my parents' house, and occasionally things would get stuck in it. And you know what my mom would do? My mom would unplug it yeah. and clean it out. Very because smart. Because she liked her hands. I'm so scarred from garbage disposals in films because it always means something bad. That um, my parents' house, there is a garbage disposal, and I have never even turned it on. I don't even like to particularly look at it, to be perfectly honest with you. So, yeah, yeah. So, it's, um, yeah. Yeah. Unplug that shit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Don't just stick your hand down there all willy-nilly. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew. Yes. Your key takeaway number two. My key takeaway number two, also dog-related, is, uh... I, just, I hope all of your key takeaways are about dogs. I really wanted my third one to be, but it's not. But, uh, but, but, I know, I know, I know. But for right now, we have... Podcast is over. Yeah. <laughs> Closing <laughs> credits. Canceled. That's the end. <laughs> Don't tune in next week. There's no more podcast. But my second one is... <laughs> And my second key takeaway is don't wear a suit um, if you were from the dog uh, funeral. I'm sorry, from the pet cemetery people. Mm -hmm. Because I kind of feel, I don't know. I mean, listen. He's just trying to be professional. The death of a pet is certainly going to be a traumatic event. And I just sort of feel like you want to lower the stakes as much as humanly possible. I mean, uh, I feel like my dog is my child. If I called in a pet cemetery and had an undertaker come, I want them to treat my dog like it was So you do want them in a suit. Yeah, I want, like, the seriousness. I just felt there was... serious for me. My baby. It is. No, that is not at all. Why do you hate dogs? I don't hate dogs at all. Please, everybody. I don't hate dogs. I just meant that, like... Andrew hates dogs. He's the worst person ever. All right, let me let me rephrase, <laughs> let me rephrase it in a way that I think will save it, which is that I was I felt that the presentation of the dog on the butcher block was way too much. Oh, that's too much. So if... Maybe don't even let the guy show up to the front door. Maybe wait till the daughter goes to school... And then if the guy's going to come over... Well, the mom's kind of selfish. The mom definitely... I mean, she was... There was probably a yeah, certain angle She's a little out to lunch. Yeah, so... All right, well... <laughs> my, the only thing I heard was Andrew saying, can you take away number two? I hate dogs. I, <laughs> I like dogs, everybody. I like dogs. Let's move on to three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not dog-related. Yeah. Thank God. All right. Can you take away number three yeah. for me? Yes. Um, and I know Nikki tried, but you right. really got to bring back up for an evil mirror disposal. I know yeah. she tried, but it's like if all of your resources are gone, get some more resources. You just right. can't walk in cold on that alone. No, 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 no. I mean... You got a demon and a mirror girlfriend. You need help. I think, uh, did she try to... Sm- she did try she to tried. smash the mirror, right? <laughs> but that didn't she work. tried to smash it. Didn't right. work. Because it's evil mirror. Do you think she could have just spray painted it with like a matte finish? Ooh, that, that's like, a what, good idea. Because I feel most of its evil powers came from... Well, you had to put the things. black cloak over right. it. So, wow, she spray painted with black... But I feel if you throw a black cloak over it, which is what she does at the end of the movie so that she can live the rest of her life out through the 1950s, I feel that you would want a slightly more permanent solution. And so I feel if you get some, like, matte primer or something, you can just kind of take care of that mirror. And then, I mean, the movie's not entirely clear on what the powers of this mirror are or where they derive from yeah. or anything, but I'm going to assume that because they're, because of the reflection, that's a way you can communicate with the mirror to make it do your bidding or it, it or vice versa. So I sort of feel it put a permanent block on that, not just, like, whip a blanket over it. Yeah, no, she's stuck in the 50s. But I've thought about this before. Oh. If I could time travel, I yeah. would be like Madonna. Oh. I would be like, oh, look at all these songs I wrote. Oh, you would you would pull a uh, yesterday. Yesterday. But yeah, I would totally do that. I've thought about this okay. before. I'm like, if I could try time travel, I would go back in time. And I'd be like, oh, look at this huge collection of music that I wrote. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, I was going to go with if I was stuck in the 50s. Madonna wouldn't fare well in the 50s. But that's I would true. maybe be like, I wrote, I wrote this song called You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog. <laughs> So I was going to say I was gonna, I would just go find Doc Brown and help him, get him to help me. Movie. It's a good movie. It's such not a, a good movie. Not a horror movie, so we can't no. cover it. But, I mean, it's kind also, of a horror movie. No, it's not a horror movie at all. I mean, you know, if your mom's trying to make out with you, it's probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first thing I would do. But I can tie this in 
Back to the Future Rise because in Back to the Future 2 he tries to do the whole thing where he is going to use a sports almanac to win at gambling so I think yeah. you're doing the same thing oh yeah if you do all the Madonna I would songs also, yeah I would do that or I would like I would like bet on a bunch of games right and I knew how they're going to turn out so it all ties back I, either your two options are I'm just going to game the system yeah, as I like time travel your options are try to find a, a friendly doctor who will get you back to the future or your other option is uh, live, you can't do that, live your life and try to rip people yeah I'll invent the internet use knowledge that they're not aware of. I, yeah, I'll invent the internet. Or I'll be like, hey, you guys, how about this? How about a phone with a camera on it? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wait, what if you went back in time and you wrote Mirror, Mirror, and then... And then I would... I I do that, and my I come I come to this year, and my life is exactly the same. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's totally make a, I did make a bunch of money from it. They're like the residual. The only thing around. that's different is I have a different plant in that corner. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, it's not a rubber tree, it's a palm. Everything's just so different. Okay. I have bangs. <laughs> <laughs> like things are really minor. I open my closet and I'm like, I don't own those sneakers. Um, Andrew, what is your final takeaway? My final key takeaway, and this is not a thing we've discussed before, but there's a scene earlier in the film where Nikki is in an art class. Oh, yes. And she supposedly made a sculpture bust of her boyfriend. A la Lionel Richie. And it looks like the Lionel Richie uh, statue from the Hello video. Um, but the other thing, too, is you can... yeah. <laughs> But you can totally tell that it's not actually a sculpted bust. What it was was they took the actor who played Nikki's boyfriend, poured some plaster of Paris on his face, yeah. popped that off, and that becomes the statue. And you can tell because the, the statue's face is very, like, the eyes are closed and the mouth is sort of, like, puffed out as if, as if while the plaster of Paris was going, he was trying to breathe. And I felt it took me out of believing that she had properly um, made it a sculptural bust. So my key takeaway is, if you're going to have a Lionel Richie bust in the film, do your best, you know, I don't know, go on Craigslist or whatever the 1990 equivalent of Craigslist You'd have to look in the classified section. Look in the classified and say, I need some guy, we don't have a lot of money, I need some guy to make a bust of a high school kid's head so that we can present uh, this actor as being an artist. And so don't do the cheap and easy way because it's going to be quite clear that you just plaster of Paris to some guy's head. Um, <laughs> wow, that was really snobby. That's very, that, that's, it's very snobby. It's very behind the scenes, too. I mean, that's, you know, that's me like. It's like, wow, I didn't even realize I was friends with such a snob. <laughs> you learn things about each other when making a podcast. You're like, he's very concerned about what's going on uh, with the below the line. He uh, hates dogs <laughs> and is an art snob. I like dogs and I like sculptural busts. I'm just saying I want both to be done properly in a film setting. Um, what did you think of this movie? Because this, this right. is one of my favorites. So, so I would love to hear your overall thoughts on this movie. So I am proud to report to you mm -hmm. that I really got a kick out of this movie. Um, Great. Uh, I felt the first hour, like, interesting, setting things up, plenty of stuff I knew would be able to goof on in a podcast. But then in the second hour, when, I, when you begin to realize that Megan is sort of going to get some revenge in, that's when I thought, like, oh, shit, like, the person I thought was the hero who was just sort of put upon. Buckle up is actually kind of like a willing participant in the carnage. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and I guess what you want in a horror movie, I mean, most horror movies, you tend to not be rooting for the teenagers, right? Because they're just supposed to be cannon fodder. Yeah. So I kind of like, I mean, I was, I was in on, you know, goth person just because, you know, I have, I have the sympathy for the goths, though never goth myself, I have sympathy. And I, so I kind of liked watching the goth kind of like, you know, get the revenge later on all the preppy kids. So. Yeah. So it, it threw me for loop. I wasn't expecting that. So I really enjoyed that. And I thought there were some interesting, like when they psych us out and the boy, you think the boyfriend is there helping Nikki, but that's just a mirror, mirror conjured Nikki. Uh, I, I, it threw in some interesting twists and turns I wasn't expecting. So I really, I really had fun with it when it started to kind of get going. And I, I could see why this appealed so much. My only uh, demerit uh, that I would hand down is... Uh, is it was a little confusing to understand the nature of the demon because sometimes it was just the mirror was evil, but then sometimes hands would come out and like feel up Megan's butt. It looked like the the demon, the hands at least, looked like the demon from uh, Legend. Yes, yes, it did. 
uh, Tim Curry, right? Yeah. It had a very Tim Curry vibe. And then, like, at, you're right. And at one point, like, a weird, like, vagina of evil opens yes, in the mirror. Yes, vagina and then, of evil is the perfect name for that. Right. Wow, <laughs> what if they called this movie Vagina of Evil? It would Actually, I believe that that was the Russian title for this movie. <laughs> yes. Or the Soviet Union title for this movie. Uh, I think during, the Soviets I think during that period, it would have been the Commonwealth of Independent States before they had uh, oh. resettled the... Uh, I'm pretty happy that I that I yeah, recall the Commonwealth. The Commonwealth. The Commonwealth I'm like USSR. Boris Yeltsin was like, we need more mirror vagina here, and that, yeah. <laughs> mirror vagina. <laughs> when vagina has mirror. Wait, no, no, wait. When mirror has vagina. When mirror, that's the name of the movie. Wait. When mirror has vagina. In, wait, wait. In communist Russia. Uh, Vagina, wait, mirror has vagina. No, vagina has you. I don't know. I'm trying to do, some, <laughs> I'm trying to do a little Yakov Shmirov, and I'm not, doing, I'm not doing such a great job. Um, you also just sounded like yourself, but with poor grammar. I just sounded like bizarro rather than I actually sounded like Russian. <laughs> I'm like, that's not a Russian accent. Well, I'm glad that you enjoyed this movie. This is my favorite. Yeah, this is um, So, Rainbow, again, if you're out there. Yeah, I, I think she did a great job, and she had a very cool look, and uh, her name is friggin' Rainbow Harvest, so there's no reason to not be in the public eye if that's your name. So. All right, folks, that's it from us. Uh, until next time. Until next time, this has been Stab Gab. Bye. As you were. <laughs> like that. <laughs>